What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Adam Kalal, and alongside me, as always, is the great Graham Waldrop. We're just two guys sitting on a futon talking about Atlanta sports. Graham, how's it going, sir? Adam, it's going pretty well. That was very odd having you do the intro this week. Everything feels backwards. We're, uh, for those listening for the first time, we're two Atlanta sports fans recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports. With wacky ass hijinks and analysis. That's a, that's a more thorough analysis of what we yes. do. Normally, I do the intro, but we thought Adam could give it a try this week, and um, I didn't do great. Eh. Okay, that's all right. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll keep part of it. We'll see what happens. Okay, um, but yes, we're Adam Cloud, Graham Waldrop. We are hardcore Atlanta sports fans, as you all know, and those who are just listening to the show for the first time, welcome. Um, yeah, it's going okay, Adam. I went to the Braves game yesterday. It was pretty awful. Uh, Julio Tehran gave up seven. Earn runs in, what, like four innings uh, against the worst team in baseball. Fresh off a start where he came off the disabled list and pitched six innings with 11 strikeouts. Um, Doesn't make I sense. I figured that was going to be an aberration. Looks like it was. You're not a Julio guy anymore, I'm are not. You? I used to be a big Julio Tehran fan, but he's let me down time and time again with his inconsistency, his inability to locate his pitches, and he just... Cannot seem to pitch at SunTrust Park effectively, even though I know he's having a better season than he did last year. It's not saying much. Well, it's, it seems like anytime there's like a big weekend game with a huge crowd, that's when he can't perform. Right, he just sucks ass. Like, so like the last start, the one he came back, was was it like a Tuesday? Something like that. Afternoon, like right. something like that? Yeah. Where it doesn't matter? Right. Like, Which uh, leads me to believe he in the playoffs would be terrible. Well, we already know he was awful. The only time he's pitched in the playoffs, I believe, was 2013 against the Dodgers in game three. And we actually got him a lead, like 2 nothing or something. I think Justin Upton hit a double in that game in the early going, and he just collapsed and gave up a big lead, and we lost the game pretty big. Um, I'm, I'm over Julio Tehran. I wish we would have traded him when we had the chance. We haven't. He has literally no trade value at this point. Um... And if you expect to see him strike out 11 people again, you might as well rewind the clock back to 2014. Well, he could do it again. He did it last week. But well, I'm the, saying, the point is, if he does it again, we can't trust him to no. not throw a complete dud the next time out. No, I'm, I'm, I'm completely done with his ass, especially giving up Grand Slam in the first inning. You know, he's walking Colby Rasmus, for God's sake. He's hitting leadoff. Colby Rasmus is hitting 157. He's giving up a three-run double, which should have been a grand slam in the fourth inning, to Chris Davis, who's hitting like 150 this year. He went down 3-0 to him and then just throws this 90-mile-an-hour fastball over the middle of the plate and just gets absolutely destroyed. Yeah, I've never felt so bad for somebody who's at a Braves game as I did for you when four runners in, four uh, hitters in for the Orioles were already down four. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was a bad game. It was, it was fun because like, the Braves kept trying to claw back. They like, get like two guys on every inning. Sometimes they get a run or a couple runs in the inning, but they can never uh, fully come back, unfortunately. But I am upset about that, about Julio, more so than the, the team's performance. Like, I mean, Julio lost that game by himself with the shitty pitching. Sure. We could have scored more runs, certainly. But, I mean, like you score five runs, you know. You would like to think that you can win a ball game. Well, this isn't generally how our intros go. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> Do you have any bullshit uh, stories from the game yesterday about the the crowd, the fans the, you the fa- saw? The fans were into it. Yeah, like it was pretty loud when like th- good things happened for us, and there are you know a decent amount of Orioles fans there too. But um, like the the crowd was into it when when things were happening for the Braves. I mean, I was I was happy because like I said on the show last week. 
I might have edited that out. I can't remember. But uh, I, I was talking about how mostly I've gone to SunTrust Park. It's been a very low-key atmosphere because usually we suck ass. Um, but not so uh, yesterday. Like Different people, feel now. People were really engaged in the game. Even when we were down 7-1, to one, I didn't see anyone like, get up and leave. Um, and people were in it till the end. Like I didn't see really a lot of people around me like getting up and leaving their seats early to try and get to the exits. So yeah, yeah, it was nice. This team has proved time and time again that they're never out of a game. Right, and I think that I think the the fan base you know believes that, especially after that that Marlins game, right, uh, where we were down what like six nothing or nine to four or whatever in the ninth inning with two outs and came back and won. I mean, you yep. gotta you gotta think that this team's gonna fight to our last out, and they did yesterday admirably. Unfortunately, they came up a little short. I did learn my lesson. That that was the game, that Marlins game, where I stopped watching in the ninth inning. Mm-hmm. But then on Friday night, that game against the Orioles, I was so upset after Dan Winkler blew it yeah. that I was close to not watching anymore. And then I was like, no, 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 no. I've done that before. Right. Let me just see what happens in the ninth. And sure enough, they scored, what, four runs to tie it up? Yep. So. Should have been five, except Freddie got hosed at home. Freddie got fingered. Um, <laughs> as the name of a movie, actually. Yeah, I know. Tom, uh, Gr- Tom Green. Yes. And I'm trying to think of anything else that happened in that game yesterday that's worth reporting. I rode the mechanical bull at the PBR bar. <laughs> I lasted for about seven seconds. Once that thing turned, I was like, I can't handle this. And just I off. saw that video. It was really pathetic. Wasn't it? Yeah. Like It felt like you just like mentally decided. I did. Meh. I did. Why? It wasn't even bucking yet. No, it bucked at the beginning, and then when it turned, I, I couldn't handle it. I was just like, I was freaked out. It was pathetic. It, yeah, yeah, it was, no, it was very it was, sad. Hashtag sad. <laughs> hashtag unfair. But at least you finally got to ride it. I just got to ride it. I think if I got back on it again, I'd feel more confident. Um, Brandon McCarthy might just hit a home run, and I hit wow. a double into the corner. This is worthless ass. He's about as worthless as Julio. Um. So, Adam, what do you want to do? you want to keep talking Braves or you want to go to the, the draft, the, the NBA draft? Let's, um, I, like, I like how we had our first ever Atlanta Zone uh, pre-show meeting today. And it's and then immediately we'll just <laughs> start rambling. Yep. Let's uh, get back to the structure, and uh, we'll okay. start with the Hawks, as we All right. stated we would. Sounds good. So, yeah, the NBA draft was on Thursday night. Uh, Hawks made three selections overall. We'll start with the first one. A uh, very controversial move that was met with incredible... Controversy. Yes, a lot of controversy, but incredible venom from the fan base. Declaring us, you know, loser franchise, Schlink's an idiot. Uh, and for those of you that don't know the move, we had third pick in the draft. Um, DeAndre Aiden went first, which everyone thought would happen. The talented center from Arizona. Uh, the guy I wanted, who I've been squawking about for the better part of a... Six months. Two, yeah, six months, whatever was uh, Marvin Bagley. He went to the Kings uh, from Duke. And so time for us to pick third. And a lot of people had been saying, okay, the Hawks are going to take Luka Doncic, who's supposedly a very talented EuroLeague player, won the MVP in the EuroLeague um, for Real Madrid, I think. Is their isn't name? That, isn't that, is that the soccer, soccer team? team? Yeah. I heard people say that this week, though. I think it's also a, also a basketball team. I don't know. Wherever he's from, he's from the EuroLeague. And uh, instead, we decided to draft Luka Doncic, trade him to the Mavericks for the fifth pick. Yep. Uh, and a f- protected first-round pick of the Mavericks. So, what is it, for the next three years, 
as long as the Mavericks finish outside of the top five, we get their pick, correct? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, so next year, it's top five protected. Right. So say the Mavericks finish fifth. Right. We don't get their pick. Correct. Uh, and it rolls over to next year, and it, the year after that, and it's top three protected. Oh. And if they're still one of the worst teams in the league, then it rolls over to the next year, and then I think it's not protected with anything, and we just get their pick no matter what. So either way, we're going to get something out of it yeah. at some point. And it's an asset. Like, that's what people aren't realizing. Like, even if we never see that pick, it's not, it, we could tra- use it as a trade piece, but potentially we have three lottery picks next year because of this trade. Because right. we, we have that one, our own, because I'm assuming we'll suck. Yep. And then also we have a first-round pick from the Cavs for the Kyle Korver deal. Which is amazing. We got a first-round pick out of that. And I'm assuming LeBron's going to leave and Cleveland's going to suck. Sure. So it could be a pretty good pick. I know you were very high on Trey Young. I wasn't as high on Trey Young. What are your thoughts after this contro- controversial move by Travis Schlenk? So, one, Trey Young was their guy. Right. Like, they fell in love with him. Granted, it was just at a workout with the old man coach defending him. But for whatever reason, they love Trey Young. And their whole goal is, like like I said, not only to add young talent, but to add assets. So they accomplished both of those in this trade. Right. And everyone, all of a sudden, is all about Luka Doncic. No one knows who the hell this guy is. No one's ever watched anything except a highlight reel of his on YouTube mm-hmm. where, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't have that much athleticism. I would disagree. He's, I think, especially for being 6'8". He's not explosive. I think he's quite explosive, actually. No. Um, from what I've seen from his YouTube From his YouTube highlight, highlight reel. reel. Right. <laughs> yeah. Once again, you're exactly right. That's all I have to go off of. I'm sure uh, people in the Hawks front office have more to go off of than that, but from a fan standpoint, I think you're exactly right. Unless someone's a hardcore watcher of the EuroLeague. Uh, You know, the thing that I sort of started to warm up to about Donkic as I started to realize that Bagley was probably going to go to the Kings was he's 6'8", he can create his own shot, he has point guard-like ball handling abilities. Well, he is a point guard. Right, but for being 6'8", you don't think of a lot of point guards as being 6'8". Right. Like LeBron's six eight, and he kind of functions as this weird hybrid of a semi point guard and small forward at the same time. Not to say Doncic is going to be LeBron, but I thought it was a very interesting skill set um, to to roll the dice on. Uh, so especially because he's eighteen, so uh, you know he's only going to continue, hopefully, to grow. And he's already got that much talent. He won a Euroleague MVP for whatever that's worth. Um, I thought it'd be an interesting, an interesting roll of the dice, and I was kind of disappointed that we didn't go for it. Whereas Trey Young, to me, while I acknowledge his talent, uh, is the only player in the history of college basketball to lead the nation in points scored and assists. You can chalk that up a lot to perhaps his, um, you know, his team sucking, right? And he had to be used all the time, as as our special guest Joseph mentioned last week. But I was more excited about the potential of, of, of Donkic than I was of, of Beyond, honestly. So I was initially pretty upset, but after having a couple of days to marinate over it, I don't know. I'm a little more indifferent. But yeah. I also am more interested, I think, as we were talking about before, in this Hawks season this year than I was ever last year. 
Yeah, there's going to be, a, I mean, just pairing up Trey Young, who people know Trey Young a lot more than Luka Doncic. Like, yeah, he, he made definitely. a big name for himself early in the year in college basketball. And, yeah. like, him and the big playmaker potential uh, combined with John Collins, it's going to be exciting. Right, and, you know, the thing I like about it, too, is that he is used to having to put a team on his back. He's going to have to do that again this year. Especially if we trade Dennis Schroeder. Right. Which is something that kind of is a whole other argument at this point. We drafted a point guard. We have a point guard. Um, how does that work? I think, you know, for me, I am not interested in seeing Dennis be on this team anymore now that we've drafted Trey Young. Not interested. No, he, he's got to go one way or the other. Right. Travis Schlink came out and said, uh, you know, it's been seen that multiple point guards can be on the floor at the same time, so I'm not too concerned about that. To him, I say horseshit. We've seen, in particular, this point guard have to play with Jeff Teague on the floor. That was an experiment that happened when Teague was still here, and it was awful. So we already know he can't coexist with another point guard. And with Dennis's, I think it really came to light, his uh, lack of deficiency. I think it really came to light his lack of defensive efficiency last season and his inability to shoot the three-pointer at a high clip. He was still, I think, an excellent penetrator to the lane, to the key. But other than that, he was pretty – he would score, and he'd get a couple assists. You know, I know he averaged like five assists a game, but it's like I'm kind of over it at this point. Yeah. Like, I used to be very much like, you know, keep Dennis. Our guy. You know, let's see what he can grow into. But at this point, now that we've drafted a guy like Trey Young who – the Hawks feel so strongly about it. it. Just feels like Dennis is a waste of a waste of space here. So you would at least agree, Trey Young has a higher ceiling than Dennis at this point. Yes, I think even though Dennis is only twenty four, I've seen enough of him he's to know that only he's twenty four. Yeah, he's That's a wild. he's a bad defender. He's not a great three point shooter. He doesn't really make a lot of people around him better. Um, and he and he wants out, right? He even said he said that like we like we talked about like a month or two ago about. Uh, when he was talking to some German outlet saying, you know, I want to, I pretty much, you know, the subtext was I want to get out of here. He didn't say that directly, but that's what I gathered from it. So happy trails. And, and he's a talented player. Sure. There's no like, doubt he's there. He's not worthless. Uh, but he's got a big contract too. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what makes him. Well, the NBA standard is not a very big contract. It's three years, I think 43.6 million left. That's not small potatoes as you would put it no but i mean when a team can go out and sign timothy mozgov for 76 million dollars for four years who's a worthless player i mean you get dennis Schroeder can at least provide some value at least scoring the basketball the the problem is at this point like since we couldn't get the trade done during the draft yeah everyone knows we're desperate to trade this guy right so we're gonna we're we're not gonna get equal value back for him i'm fine with that happening like if we could just trade him for like a late second round pick whatever because awful it is awful but um it is awful, but at this point, it's much more important, whether you like the Trey Young pick or not, to develop that player. Right. Anytime Dennis is on the floor, it is hampering that guy's development. Dennis, If Dennis was the future, we would not have made that pick. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah, no doubt. And Trey Young, it sounds like the team was kind of split on him or Luka, mm-hmm. uh, everyone who would have a piece of that decision. Yeah. Um, which is why they made the decision to 
like the Schlenk was like, well, if we think both of these players could be about the same, why not take Trey Young and get the additional asset? Right. It makes sense. It makes sense. It's kind of hedging your bet. Right. Because I guarantee if we had drafted Luka, everyone's just be like, oh, another European point guard. Uh, think, this could be the biggest bust ever. I Marco Milicic. What's his, that guy's name? Dark, Darko. Darko Milicic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe. Like, people think, are going to be upset people, no matter what. I think what. people had warmed up to it a little bit more over the last week or so. But it doesn't really matter what anyone thinks at this point. What matters is what Trey Young is going to develop into. And, you know, we'll just have to see about it. I mean, the, the knock against Trey Young to me is his defense. Um, not a great defender by any sort of advanced metric that I've seen. He's, he's small. Was he 6'1", 6'2"? Yep. Can he defend at this level? Or is he going to profile more to be like a Damian Lillard type who is a, you know, a great scorer but can't really defend worth a lick? And there are other players in the league who are also... And a lot of point guards are like that. Right. Russell Westbrook is not a great defender, but the man is a triple-double machine. James Harden, not a great defender, but he wants also triple-double guy. Um, And you got to think, our coach... Is a defensive-minded coach, so so he can instill. You would hope that he could coach him up, right? So seeing him and John Collins hooking up on tons of alleys, hopefully that manifests over the, the course of the next season. And then you know a lot of things, a lot of a lot has been said about his three-point shooting ability, but he only thought only shot thirty-six percent from three last year, which is not bad. But the other two people we drafted shot it a lot better uh, than him. They didn't have as many attempts. But I'd be interested to see in how effective of a, of a scorer, a three-point shooter he actually is at the pro level. And one of the stats I thought was interesting, so like when he was with Oklahoma, obviously everyone realized this is the only guy we need to shut down. Right. So the defenses were solely focused on shutting him down. Well, particularly against better teams in the Big 12, uh, like Kansas. Kansas really stifled him. I think they held him like 11 points and made him shoot like shit. Yeah. Against teams like TCU and other, other teams that weren't really – great last year you know he, he tore him up he had I think three or four games where he scored 40 plus points right but and with the Hawks he's not going to be the sole focus of the defense because they have other guys who could take on that role but you got Torian Prince if Schroeder leaves is probably the only other guy I guess Collins maybe where you really have to but even like Deadman's a solid player like I mean sure if you look at like what he has now compared to at Oklahoma he's not going to I think the point you're trying to make is he's not going to be as by himself as he was right. when he was at Oklahoma and one of the stats that I loved was he only had 18 uncontested threes, like attempts all year, mm-hmm. and he made 14 of them. Sure. So I think he's going to have a lot more open looks. Right. Right. And he's really confident. I don't know if you heard him talk to the media at all, but he was, you know, I mean, this is all talk at this point, but it was, it was nice for him to say, yeah, I want to come in here. I want to win MVPs. I want to be on all-star teams. I want to win multiple championships. You know, no bullshit. Yeah. And that was kind of... Who knows if any of that is realistic or plausible, but at least you like that he's coming and wanting to take on the world. Yeah, and it seems so he says the right things, and it seems like it comes from a good family. I know his his dad used to be a basketball player mm-hmm. um, and really trained him up, gave him that work ethic. So would you compare a guy like Trey Young to Dennis Schroeder, who has had some issues with his attitude right. in and the past? A, and he's a battery charge. And he has a battery charge. <laughs> uh, character comes into play as well. Sure, sure. 
So, so bottom line, we don't know anything right now. No, we don't. It's going to, as Drew said last night, mm-hmm. we're not going to know until about three years from now. Right. And I think what's interesting is that, would you say that this pick will define Travis Schlenk's legacy oh, yeah. as the general manager of the Hawks? Yeah, the Schlenk's, he's got it all out there now. It's a ballsy move. I, I mean, mean it, I'll, I'll say that for it. Like, everyone thought the safer pick was going to be Donkic. And to, I mean, I thought initially, because I wasn't watching the draft, I was, at a, I was at a concert and I called you during the intermission. I was like, <laughs> who do we draft? And you say Trey Young. I was like, fuck. But, uh, you know what? At this point, I have to put any sort of grievance around that aside because you just you just don't know. But like my initial thought was, this: oh my God, is this is Chris Paul over again where he missed on the guy that could be the franchise-defining right. player. You're going to get those comparisons. Right. And we'll just be following Doncic now and see how he's doing, and that's sure. just going to be what we do for the next five years of our life. Right. That's the only thing we're going to do. That's what we have that to look forward to. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about with Trey Young? Mm. What do you think about that horrendous short shorts suit that he was wearing? A suit with shorts. Yeah, that wasn't. Um, that didn't really that didn't really work for me. Uh, I'm not a big dress up guy, as you know. I don't think really either of us are. No. But if you're wearing a suit, you wear a suit. You have pants. You gotta have pants, not right. shorts. <laughs> I love wearing shorts. If it was up to me, I would wear. Sh- Actually, no, I even like shorts. I would be in my boxers all the time. But. Right. Um, he was trying to be different. When you got to be professional, you got to be professional. He was like, no, no one's ever worn shorts to the draft before. Right. So, I guess you do you, man. It's really going to come down to his play on the court. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like, who gives a shit? Right. Let's talk about the other guys who drafted. Um, so still, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, we drafted Kevin Hoyter. Hewter? Hoyter. Hoyter. You spell his name. H-U-E-R-T-E-R. Uh, shot uh, 41.7% from three-point range last year, 14.8 points a game from the University of Maryland, 19th pick overall in the first round. So A lot of people are saying he's the, he was the best shooter in this draft. Yeah, there's and, been a lot of comparisons to Clay Thompson. There's been a lot of comparisons to Kyle Korver. I saw him play a little bit, not enough to really have a, you know, not enough to go on a rant like I do with like a Marvin Bagley type or anything. Right. But... Well, the, the Kyle Korver comparison—that's a little easy. He's a tall white guy that shoots right, threes. Three. Yeah. All right. The, the, the Next Clay, Kyle Korver, no problem. The Clay Thompson thing—I'm more interested in because, I, you know, he's a premier shooter in the league, uh, and he's a decent defender. And from all reports I've read on Huter Reuter, whatever the hell Reuter. his name is, if someone could tell us how to pronounce his name, that'd be great. That'd be fair, if you could uh, tweet us, that'd be nice. Uh, let's just call him Kevin for now because that's Kevin. His, that's his first name. All reports on Kevin say to me that he's not a great defender, uh, not a rim penetrator. I thought you just said he was a good defender. No, no, I said I think I said he was not. I said Clay Thompson's a good defender. Got it. But the comparisons to Clay Thompson is what I'm interested in because it's like Clay Thompson can shoot like no one's business, sure. But he also can defend decently. He's got, you know, an ability to shut down guys a little bit on the perimeter. Whereas Kevin doesn't profile like that. He's also not a rim penetrator, but he can make his own shot. So I'm okay with this pick at number 19. Once you get past the top 10, 15 picks, it's sort of like whatever you can get that you think can add value to your team. And this could be our poor man's version, at least initially, maybe, of Steph and Clay. And you can see that's clearly what the Schlenk's going for, Mm -hmm. which could work out great, or it could look like a fool trying to recreate that. 
with players that aren't those two players. So. Sure. But he's got, obviously, a solid template to work from in, in the sense that he was one of the architects of how the Warriors were constructed. Right. So you got to trust his judgment at this point. And he knew enough to get rid of Dwight. Which I applaud him for. You see Charlotte got rid of him as well. Yeah, traded him to the Nets. Was they're the, trying to the, clear up. The same the same day a year later that we had traded them. Yeah, June twentieth yeah. of twenty seventeen we traded him and then June twentieth. They actually had a decent year last year for the Hornets, so that was kind of uh, But the locker room thing is clearly a real thing. Yeah. No, yeah. it seems like he is certainly the the locker room cancer. A poison. Yeah. But Kevin Hoyter, Hewitter, never say his name. <laughs> we don't really know at this point anything about him, much less so than Trey Young. Tall white guy that can shoot three pointers. That's pretty much all you need to know. Hopefully yep. that metamorphosizes into something better than that. But I still like seeing forty one point seven percent from three point range. Yeah. That gets me. Uh, that gets me excited. Uh, the last, and then we traded. Which pick did we trade Adam? We traded pick number thirty four for for like two like. 2050 second round picks. Great. Yeah. So we'll all be dead by that point. I figured with three first round picks, they're just like, eh, we got enough. Like, I guess there was also just no one else they really wanted to get at that point. You would think so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the last pick was Omari Spellman out of Villanova, who has been reported to be a stretch big, uh, 43.3 three point shooter, uh, almost average a double double, about 11 points a game and eight boards. So this is kind of one of those under-the-radar picks, but this is kind of like, I feel, the Draymond Green pick, if you're going to make another That's a comparison, right? yeah. Because Draymond Green may not be, you know, your typical big man, but he is has the ability to play down low and also uh, add value in all phases of the court. So I don't really know much about Spellman. I watched a little bit of Villanova last year. He's not one of the more memorable players on that, that squad. Uh, but I like that he averaged what he averaged, and I like that he's a guy who can, once again, shoot the three-pointer. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Bottom line, we don't know how any of this is going to work out, but I guarantee you and I, anyways, are going to watch a lot more Hawks games this year. Yeah, I think I only watched, actually watched, I mean, I kept up with how they were doing, but I think I only watched about five games last season. Yeah, we're not gonna I'm to... ashamed to admit that, because that's the least amount of Hawks games I've watched probably since I was about 12. Since they were on PAX. Yeah, since they were on PAX. We're not going to have to troll trudge through Hawks segments next year, I think. Right, where we just say they suck and move on. I, I predict every single week you're going to be bitching about Trey Young probably. and how good Luka's been. Right. Luka's going to average a triple-double and take the Mavericks to like the Western Conference semifinals, and we're going to be 18 and... 57 or whatever. Right. So, yeah, that, the, that pick from the Mavs will probably end up being like 31st overall because they win the championship. Suck. Um, but they're going to be watchable. I think, as I said last week, Trey Young is the better pick for getting average Hawks fans excited yeah. mm-hmm. again. For sure. Versus a methodical point guard. And he seems like a genuinely sweet kid. Like, he was very... Like, when I watched him on Twitter and watched his post-game, you know, his, his not post-game, his uh, post-draft interview, I was like, I like this guy already. Yeah. You know, I'm ready, I'm ready to cheer for him, regardless of what I think of the pick. Like, he's ready to come here and put the work in. So, let's let's see what happens. Yep. So, it's weird to look at people being drafted in the NBA now as kids when we're almost 30. He was born in, like, 1999. How stupid is that? That is stupid. What are we doing with our lives? 
talking about Atlanta sports <laughs> instead of playing Atlanta sports, I guess. So, yeah, that's about it. So the last thing about the Hawks. So what do you what do you think our starting lineup looks like next year? Let's let's assume we get rid of Dennis. Yeah, Dennis is gone. So we're probably looking at uh, Trey Young at point guard. Mm-hmm. Um, Kent Bazemore. Yep. I guess he'll still be around. He seems like that veteran presence at this point. If I got to pick between him or Schroeder for this team, I pick him. Yeah. Um, Prince. Collins, Deadman. And then we still have Bembry coming off the bench, who still has a lot of potential. Huerter. Mm-hmm. Huerter. Huter. Huter. That guy. Right. Spellman. Um, there's a couple other Gotta guys. Gotta have the Moose. The Moose is back as of today, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, he opted in for $5 million, so he'll be... I mean, it's a decent little squad. Yeah. It'll be scrappy. Yeah. It'll be fun to watch. In the in the new uh, Phillips Arena, it's been totally refurbished. It's supposed to look like a new damn place. We'll, we'll get our haircut. I want my haircut. We'll get our haircut. I, want, I really want to go to the courtside bar. Is what I want. One hundred twenty-five dollar haircut. Spend five hundred dollars to get and tickets the, to go to that bar and right. spend thirty dollars a drink. Right. Uh, it's Come gonna, out down about a grand. It's going to be the time you leave. Phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. One thing I want to say about the Hawks, real quick. Yes. Did you? Read the story about how the Hawks should have drafted uh, Antikupo, whatever that guy's name is. The oh, Greek, Giannis. yeah, yeah, the Greek freak from. Milwaukee. Did you read that story? No. So apparently, the so this was the year we drafted Schroeder. We had pick sixteen and seventeen, okay. and we were the only team that even like tried Giannis out. He, like he came to the U.S. solely to work out with the Hawks. He was their guy. This was Danny Ferry. And then we fired Larry Drew, who had seen these workouts, and Jeff Teague went to Milwaukee. So the theory is... That's when we signed the offer sheet to counter it and keep him here. Who? Jeff Teague. I thought he went... No, he went to Milwaukee that year. Not with Larry Drew, you fool. That's what this article is saying. Well, the article's full of shit. Let's, the, the, let's no, Milwaukee... I know what you're talking about. Milwaukee signed Jeff Teague to a, a, a five-year offer sheet, but we countered oh, you're to right. keep him. Well, the Larry Drew thing makes more sense. Larry Drew thing makes more sense. Bottom line, Milwaukee came out of nowhere and got him when we to pick him up when we were 100% going to draft him. That was disappointing. Like, imagine how different... <sighs> For those of you that can't see me, which is all of you, my hands are in my head. Or my head is in my yeah, hands. Graham's very distraught about this. So I had no idea this was a thing. Yep. This is He was our guy. Fuck. Danny Ferry was all over him. Ah. Danny Ferry was such a good executive man. Yeah. So Graham, can you, what would our uh, roster have looked like that year with Jonas? You have Jeff Teague, Kyle Corver, you have Giannis. I guess Paul Millsap. Yep. We still had Al Horford that year, too. Al Horford. Fuck me. Yep. Think about having him. That's the superstar. Think about having him on that 2015-2016 team. The Or no, the 2014-2015 team, sorry. So he would have been there for that. Yeah. The, we, so, and, on, and we on could, that, with that team that went to the Eastern Conference right. Finals. 
The 16 team. Against, yeah, the, no, the 14-15 team. That's the team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Okay. Having him go against LeBron, we probably still would have lost, but it would have been a hell of a lot closer. And who the hell knows? Yeah, so, and we could have still drafted Schroeder along with him because we drafted that loser center. Which one? Um, I can't even remember the guy's name. He plays for so many bad draft Toronto picks. now. We're like the biggest but That was just like a waste franchise. of a 16th pick. Yeah. So, that's why we can't have nice things around. It's depressing, man. Very depressing. I had no idea that I'm going to be a shell of myself for the rest of the show. Thank you. So, but to kind of put a ribbon on I mean, that that's a perfect example of Atlanta not having good things happen to them. But on the flip side, us, to transition to the Braves, mm. us getting Anthopolis, like that guy literally just fell into our lap at the perfect timing. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. like getting a guy of the, that caliber as our GM, that's not something that happens to Atlanta very often. No. So, like, normally we've probably gotten uh, some mid level executive from Tampa Bay to come here and he'd just be awful and make terrible decisions. Yeah, Adam. So, I think now we have definitively wrapped up our Hawks segment. Would you agree? Yes, I would agree. Sound like an idiot. All right, thank you. That's all I got. So we will move on to the Braves. After a really sterling week of baseball in the, the prior week, this week hasn't been as good. Haven't played as many games as we normally have. Had two off days. We split two games in Toronto with the Blue Jays. And now we've lost two games to the Orioles. We're, during this recording, we're currently up 3-1 to one against Baltimore. But the Orioles, for those of you that don't know, are the worst team in baseball. So to lose two games to them under any circumstance is pretty awful. It's disappointing. Yeah. We already mentioned earlier in the show how bad Julio Tehran is and how we're both done with him. So I don't think we need to beat that dead horse anymore. But I wasn't... I, I will be that dead horse, actually. I'll contradict myself. I wasn't blown away by his performance where he struck out 11 people because he came and back... gave up no hits. Right. I, he came back throwing 93. When have we seen that? When was the last time we saw that? Like three years ago? Yeah. What's wrong with that? How long do you think that was going to last? Where he's, he's just striking dudes out and making people look silly. Like, you think he just found the fountain of youth and be on the stable list for like a week? No. But, I mean, what, what, what is the deal? Why is he fluctuating on his velocity so much? I don't know. I mean, it was, it was still better than it has been the rest of the, most of the year yesterday. It was like 91. So your point is you just didn't, you saw that as an aberration. A complete aberration. Complete horseshit. But he's had like some really great starts this year as well. Right, but they're few and, and he's far had between. points of consistency. He said they're few and far between. For the most part, you're getting either a mediocre to shitty start from him. And yesterday was another example of that. Well, and it really kills me because that Friday game, the other reason it was so brutal is because we ended up burning all the bullpen. The bullpen. So then you need Julio to come in and like give us seven innings or so. Awful. It, it, we went, what, four and two thirds? Something like that. He was out of the game in the fourth inning. My man, Charlie Culberson. Doing work. Another clutch hit. He's unreal. He was the one that got us that lead Friday night as well. Yep. Yep. He's the anti-Julio. I don't know about that. <laughs> he's, he's playing a little better than he has any right to be right now, and we should just enjoy the hot streak. But, yeah, Julio, I'm, I'm done with him. Um... 
other Braves news, Preston Tucker was optioned. The last like monthish, he'd been hitting one forty three, which makes sense. He he hasn't done. Yeah, I mean he hasn't had. No, with Acuna being out and him not being the starting left fielder, you could tell. Yeah, especially when Culberson sort of took the mantle. Yep, Culberson has played well enough to earn the playing time. Indeed. For some reason, Danny Santana's back up here, which I do not understand at all because Tucker hasn't been doing anything, and Santana has more versatility. I'd rather call up another fucking pitcher at this point, like. Danny Santana is awful. We all know this. Why do you hate Danny Santana this much? Because he sucked ass last year, and Snickers kept throwing him or putting him out there every damn day. And he hit like, you know, 200 or under 200. And oh, yeah, it, is, it, is that the right stat? It's, okay, I don't really know what he hit, <laughs> but it was pretty awful. He played pedestrian defense. Yeah, he can play multiple positions. But every but, now and then he hit like a 440-foot bomb. Great. I don't give a shit. It just reminds me of just like mediocrity. It just reminds me of bullshit, stopgap, veteran nonsense. I mean, he, he's the last guy on the roster. Like, it doesn't matter that but much. But he's playing. He's starting. He started yesterday. He's starting today. I'm not interested in seeing this. Well, as soon as Acuna's back, he's back to the minors. Good. God damn, I cannot stand these moves. What else are you upset about, Graham? Mike Soroka's back on the DL, Adam. After he came back uh, last week and had that amazing start against the Mets, where he had a no-header through, I think, six and a third or something like that, had a chance to play in front of his friends and family in his native Toronto. It's actually not native Toronto. He's native Canada. Canadian. Whatever. And that'd be like me pitching in Texas. You're Native be, America. And be like, oh, Adam gets a chance to pitch in front of his hometown heroes. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Sorry, Canadians. Um, so, yeah, I had a chance to do that, and you can tell he's a little tense in that game. didn't really matter because the offense was so good when that game, I think, 14-4 to on Tuesday. But then we find out that he's got some shoulder discomfort or something's going on, so he's back on the disabled list after two starts. That's disappointing. I have a um, thought, though. Yeah, what's that? With him, keep getting hurt. And everyone hates Julio. Let's, let's get Allard up here. I'll see why not. He's pitching pretty well in the minor leagues. I'd be happy to see that. Especially with, you know, Gohara being sent back down. I'd be willing to see that. And honestly, if it came out tomorrow that we had cut Julio Tehran, I wouldn't give a shit. I don't care. I don't, wouldn't care if someone picked him up and he did well there. Yeah, I, I could, He needs a change of scenery or he needs to just get out. Of, I don't know. He needs to get out of here. I could see Anthopolis making a ballsy, ballsy move like that. But who's going to want to take... Oh, 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 you mean like actually like cutting, cutting him? him. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, just yeah. saying, no, this is our guy. Right. We have too many young arms to mm-hmm. keep running this guy out every fifth year. Oh, you got... I mean, every fifth year. Every fifth day. Every fifth year. <laughs> his, his days are numbered, too, with the amount of talent that's in the, in the farm system. Sure. So I would, I would agree with that. Um, there was one particular... Point of contention I had with Snicker the other night, the Friday night game, the 14th inning loss game. I think it was, I can't remember when it was. Was it in the 14th inning when Machado hit that home run? Yeah. Yeah. So Moylan's pitching. Right. There's a guy on second. Base open. Manny Machado's up. This is me running on about four hours of sleep, hungover. <laughs> my first instinct. Yeah, you were not in I a s- great state of mind. No, I was not. My, my first instinct was, oh, Base open against Machado just walked his ass. You did say that. What does he do? He pitches to him. 
And I was just like, what the hell is going on here? That's some dumbass... That's a dumbass managerial decision right there. Yep. Like, you cannot... And, and don't give me the bullshit, not you, but, like, him, right? Of Snicker saying, righty-righty matchup. Because it's Moylan <laughs> against the top five player in baseball. Fuck yeah, you if that's your... You think baseball managers have fun just, like, saying... Like, they... Like, he knows it's bullshit. Does he? Oh, yeah. But you, have to, he, you have to say it. Why like, does he pitch to him? What are you going to, like, say... All right, you're in snitch shoes. What do you say in that, like, you make that decision. What are you going to say to I the press? I wouldn't make that decision. I would have walked him. No questions asked. Well, then... I could be strung out on LSD. Well, wouldn't that have loaded the bases? No, there's only one guy on second. There's no reason at all not to walk him. Yeah, I suppose. I would, there wouldn't be a chance in hell. I could be strung out on LSD, heroin, crack. I could be drunk at the same time, and I'd say, oh, Machado's up. Better walk him. Yeah. Yeah, Snip got a lot of shit that game. That, and then... Having Winkler pitch the ninth, but people didn't. All of a sudden, everyone loves Viz. Well, I think it's silly because well, Viz was. I hurt. was well, yeah, and I'm, I'm fine of, of using Winkler in the ninth because I think he's pitched well enough that he's he should be afforded that opportunity to go out there and try and get the save. I'm fine with that. He's pitched well enough this season. Yeah. Give him a shot. All right, he messed up once. He, I'd be fine he blew with him. big time though. He did, but I'd be fine with you know if we're up today and it's a safe situation. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But you're not, I mean, you're not mad enough at Snit. Like, clearly Snit's our guy. Yeah, no, I'm not, it's not a, 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 a moment where you, you say, you know, fuck Snicker forever. I'm just thinking, that was a horrible move. And, and, and sometimes you make a bad move. It is what it is. No one's immune to it. So I'm not, it's not a situation where I'm giving up on Snicker or, or saying cast him into the fire or anything like that. To go the complete opposite route, do you think we're getting to the point where we need to go ahead and give Snicker like a three-year extension? No. Why not? I want to see how this season goes. I mean, it's already going ten times better than anyone expected it to be. Will at this it end point. up that way, though? Yes. You're confident enough to yeah. say that we're going to win ninety games again in the playoffs? I'm not saying that. No, because you're saying that we played well enough at this point. If we continue at this current pace, that's what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. All right. I believe in this team. Yes. And I know the players love Snit. Yeah. And re-signing him mid-season just is that confidence boost to him to relax and know that he's our guy. Sure. And like if we fired him to bring in like a Bud Black or oh god, I want Bud Black. Bud Black's an awful manager. Well, he was what success he, has he ever had in Major League Baseball? He was always the big name. I know he was, and I never understood that he was an awful manager in San Diego. But the point is, you got a guy that the players believe in. Yeah. And is exceeding expectations. No, I, Show him some respect and at least lock him down for a couple of years. It wouldn't, probably wouldn't kill you. I mean, there's no, honestly, that I know of at this point, and my knowledge is limited, as we all know, there's no viable candidate out there that you could say, that you could go get and say, this is an upgrade over Brian Snicker at yeah. this point. Is there? Is there anywhere? Can we think of one guy that would want to come here that is a better option? Bobby Cox? I would say not at this point. You'd prefer Snicker over Bobby? Well, Bobby has been out of the league for eight years. He still knows baseball. Well, he knows baseball, but one thing I am... Chipper Jones? What if Chipper Jones decides he wants to manage her? Then you got to consider that. But one thing I will say about Snicker that I really admire 
is that he has embraced, maybe he's been forced to, but whatever. He's at least letting analytics a little bit into his life. Big time, yeah. And he's receptive enough to Anthopolis's way of doing things from a baseball operations standpoint to be able to collaborate or at least take his input on these things that have helped the team. Even a guy like me can see that as well. Like I'll like every time there's like a line drive right up the middle or a ground ball that I'm like, oh, that's a single, and then Dansby is right there. I was right. like, oh, yeah, that's analytics. Right, interesting. There you have it. Wow, so you can, you can wow. see right, you can see it paying off. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, so I don't know if you, we get to this point where we say we want to give him three year extension, but if it happened, I wouldn't hate it. I just I don't know. There's something. There's still something. To, I don't know. I like Snicker, and I can't describe why I'm hesitant to do something like that, but I am. I wish I could put my finger on it. Probably because there's few people in Atlanta sports that you're completely content with. There's no one in Atlanta sports that I'm completely Freddie content Freddie Freeman. With. Well, okay, that's fair. That's about it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was running, I was like, Matt Ryan, no. I'm pretty content with Matt Ryan. I Hul- love Matt. Julio Jones, definitely, definitely not, not now. Not right now. Yep, that's about it. Yep. Freddie. Yep, Freddie Freeman. So that that is something I want to talk about. Not Freddie Freeman. As we all know, he is glorious and deserves everything that he should get this year, which if we get in the playoffs, I hope is an MVP award. And he deserves to start in the All-Star game, so keep voting for him. But as Rose Fisk, I know, put on the disabled list this week. Adam, what is the future of closer for this Braves team? Because we already saw the Nationals go out and get Kelvin Herrera to bolster their bullpen. What are the Braves going to do? I'm glad you asked me, Graham, because I'm the guy you should ask. I am. I mean, you are. Because <laughs> I know all these answers. Here's what we're going to do. Great. We're going to make a deal with the Chicago White Sox, who are terrible. They are terrible. For Joaquin Soria. He's been a little inconsistent this year. He's been really solid the last month or so. Okay. He's got like 12 saves for a terrible team. Okay. And uh, he's a veteran. About 33, 34 years old, not going to cost a lot in terms of prospects. And I think he will be a stabilizing factor. I'm fine with Viz being our closer, but we need a guy like Soria. I'm not. He's lost the job to me at this point. I feel like. How? Every, what is he, when's the last time he blew a save? Let me tell you, Adam, I think the wheels are getting ready to come off if they haven't already. What the hell are you talking about? Every time he goes out there, there is a fucking runner. He cannot get through a clean inning. Every time. Feels like it. It feels like more times than not, he's having to labor, get through innings. He's been bailed out by Ozzy Albies a few times, bailed out by the defense. Him alone, his, his, you know, just pitching by himself without being bailed out by his, by, by his defenders, I do not feel confident in him at all anymore. There's, he allows too many runners on base. And you can say that about the, you know, Peter Moylan's the same way. You know what his whip was going into yesterday? What? Almost two. It was like 199. What's whip? Walks and hits, <laughs> walks and hits per innings pitched. For a reliever, two is awful in general, but for a reliever, holy shit. That's two guys getting on base every inning. That's awful. I mean, it's, yeah. it's something that's happening on this team, this bullpen. The bullpen's starting to, to slide into this really bad area of mediocrity, uh, you know, going from sort of top five to top 10 and top 15 now in terms of overall statistics. And we need to bolster that bullpen. So you know what? If Soria has been pitching well recently, I wouldn't. I just be like him because yeah, we we don't. It's not going to cost us a ton of prospects. Like right. 
Brad Hand, that's the guy you really want, but he's going to cost a ton of prospects. Right. He would he would require at least one elite prospect. Yeah. I don't think you want to give up. Like cause he's got a couple years. Like we'd have him for a couple years mm-hmm. though. But like Brad Hand and like Dan Winkler in the middle, that's nasty. Sure. Sure. Got that lefty righty combo there. Yeah. I still think AJ Minter has the stuff. There's no reason to give up on him yet. No, well, definitely not give up on him. But I'm saying, like, to be the closer, mm-hmm. I, th- I think Minter is going to be that guy eventually. He's still young, still working things out. I know he walks more people than he needs to. More guys are getting on base, but he just he just seems like he can hunker down and get the job done. Yeah, and he's so young at this point. He's still a very valuable, valuable guy. Yeah, I'd be fine with going out and getting Soria. I would also. You have anyone else on your radar that the Braves could target? So another guy that I think we should go out and get is Kyle Baraclow. It's a hell of a name. From the Marlins. Uh, 28-year-old, 6'3", 225. Like it. He uh, currently has a 1.08 ERA. Very fair. In 33 innings with 35 strikeouts and a .75 whip. Excellent. And I think he is officially the closer down there in Miami now. Mm. Yeah, Ziegler lost the job. I know that because I had him on my fantasy baseball team. Yeah, he... he Ziegler's garbage. Yeah. But, I mean, this Bearclaw guy is nasty, and Miami has no need for a good reliever. Right, and that is one team usually I'm not against trading within the, the division. That is one team I'd be okay with for a reliever. You don't have to give up that much for. Yep. I mean, and he's been solid for the last four years as well. Mm-hmm. Um, three ERA last year, 2.85 the year before that. Right. So, and he's got the closer potential as well. So Sure. I think both of those guys aren't going to cost you, like, an Allard or any of our other big-name prospects. Mm-hmm. So, pull the trigger there. Sure. But I, I don't foresee any massive trades from the Braves. Just I don't really. either. Um, and it's kind of come out this week. I know Mark Bowman of MLB.com is a Braves beat writer for MLB.com has been saying, you know, the Braves don't have that much money to work with this year. And you shouldn't expect any blockbuster trades. You shouldn't expect us to go get a big arm. You shouldn't really expect much of anything. Right. Uh, and Foplis, on the other hand, was interviewed by David Bryan on David Bryan's podcast, which I don't remember the name of. It's a long name. It's like Sacrifice Flies and Lies, lies and, and, and something yeah. else. I don't know. It was good, though. It was like a 20-minute interview. And, you know, Anthopolis was saying, you know, Terry McGurk, who is the, you know, principal chairman, owner. principal owner, whatever. Yeah. Liberty Media has, has told him that you know, if there's a guy you want to go get, we can find the money for it. But once again, Anthopolis is very adamant about saying we're not going to do something that's going to jeopardize the future of the, the franchise pretty much. But like, if we want to go get a guy, we can go get a guy. It's just, it depends on what that situation is. It has to be the right yeah. situation. So it's not a ton of information gained, but at the same time, it's hard to know like, you, you believe at the end of the day we're probably not going to do anything crazy, but you're also loving how well, even though we're losing two or three of the Orioles probably, how well this team has played and how exciting they are. You want them to get better. You want us, you, we want to go out there and get more pieces to give us a chance to compete this year because, like we've said many times before, we are starred for a good baseball team. We finally got one. Yep, no doubt about that one, Graham. We just need to enjoy this ride Yeah. for hopefully 10 more years. 10, 15? Yeah. Maybe win 15 straight division titles, something like that. That'd be Shit, cool. I'll never happen again. Hopefully get Just give a couple a, more World Series. Give me a World Series again. That's yeah. really all I care about. Take the division titles and shove them up your ass. I hate that everybody always comes back to that. 
it's like, oh, well, we won 14 straight division title. Big shit, we won one World Series. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. It's like it's an accomplishment that should be respected. But the Marlins have won more World Series than we have in that yeah. time span, and that's awful. It is crazy that Chipper only won one World Series, and that was his rookie year. Yeah, never won another one. It's living in the past, though, Graham. It is. Got to look forward to the future. Indeed. But, yeah, I don't expect us to make any big moves, which is, I don't know. I was thinking about this, too, because I really want to make a big move, but you got to think about, like, there's other teams out there, like the like the Astros. There's no chance in hell we can beat the Astros in a seven-game series. You don't think? No. With that pitching staff, Garrett Cole, Verlander, that offense, Correa, Altuve, all those guys, they would just, they would destroy us, I think. I don't think there's a chance. In, we don't have the pitching to match up with them. I'm convinced if we, if we get in a World Series a matchup like that, Charlie Culberson's going to hit at least two home runs every single game. Oh, Jesus. I don't, so, I'll bet you $100 on that. As long as we can hold him to less than two, we have a chance. Yeah. What, what's the schedule like next week? We've got the red-hot Cincinnati Reds coming into town. Ooh, I'm scared. Uh, well, if this Orioles – like we were supposed to win five mm-hmm. out of – Six between Baltimore and Cincinnati, and we're blowing that one. So don't sleep on the Reds. And then that's a three-game set, and then we go to St. Louis over the weekend. Okay. Ooh, and then New York. Yankees. Yankees. Mm. That'll be interesting. Next week, indeed. So getting a little more into interleague play after that. Yeah. Two more with the Blue Jays. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Until next time, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer. It remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality soap. Hospitality soap.